Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Editor's Note. I'm Yair Pinto, and together with me as always is TV7 Israel Editor-in-Chief Jonathan Hessen. How are you doing? Praise the Lord, doing well. How about yourself? Well, I'm doing a lot better than uh, yesterday, and hopefully tomorrow will be even a lot better. Now it's the winter season here. But before we go into all of the topics that uh, we wanted to discuss today, I think it's important to stop when you have, you know, uh, really big landmarks that you want to mark and say, first of all, thank you to God for helping us reach this landmark today. Okay, so basically last week we reached our 3,000th Israel News program. 3,000, that's a lot. And I want to say really thank you to God for making this uh, a reality. This 3,000, it's a huge amount of programs. It's, I think, more than 13 years in the making. Right, Jonathan? That's from day one, almost 14 years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So really, first of all, thank you to God. And more than that, you know, as we always say, we are donation-based, so we couldn't have made this a reality without your support, without your financial support, without your prayers, without your comments and feedback. So thank you so much. And please join me in prayer to thank the Lord for this amazing achievement. Our Father in heaven, thank you for being with us and thank you for providing giving us the ability to produce uh, content that uh, truly matters. And when we say truly matters, we want it to really to truly matter to you, that you will be the one orchestrating our words, uh, what we say, the people we bring, and the content that we produce here in Jerusalem and all over the world. We really pray that uh, you will keep blessing us, helping us lead more people and really touch the hearts of those uh, in need, that they will see you and that they will seek your word. And of course, as we always say, help us to know how to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Well, Jonathan, you know, we said that 3,000 Israel news programs, but we have more productions that we make here in Jerusalem. Can you maybe elaborate? Well, uh, there were two milestones in the last three weeks, mm-hmm. I think, since we returned from uh, uh, from our Christmas, New Year's uh, break. Uh, one of the, the major milestones, obviously, was last week. Mm-hmm. After almost 14 years, I think it's 13 and a half years, um, when I started TV7 Israel News, I still remember uh, the, the studio not far from here, roughly one and a half kilometers away or one mile away. Um, school desk, a camera that could be in, in a museum, uh, no prompter. Uh, you know, uh, we had uh, initially a laptop that we, you know, put underneath the screen. A lot of, uh, a lot of things that would not go within a functioning production. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nevertheless, with the grace of God uh, and a vision, 
uh, we were able to make this a reality. Um, I think uh, there was a calculation that at the time I made um, out of the 3,000 programs I wrote uh, roughly 30,000 reports. Uh, so it gives a little bit of uh, indication to yes. the degree uh, of how many reports within those 3,000 programs were made. Uh, honestly, with the grace of God, uh, I don't think I were I would have been able to do so mm-hmm. without him granting me tailwind. Uh, of course, with so many um, individuals. Uh, also with my father, my late father, who uh, advised me from day one and uh, really gave me a, a good understanding mm-hmm. of much of what was uh, happening in the past and what is happening uh, today. Yeah, also the news started with uh, eight minutes, then it moved on to 10, yeah. now it's 12, it's so that's a, also significant. It's a gradual development um, within the constraints of what we're able. Mm-hmm. You know, we wanted to make it also 14, and then I realized I'm just unable to do so. Mm-hmm. Even though there are days, uh, for instance, last week, we uh, I, I researched for multiple topics, uh, and I, I created a, a database of sinks and quotes and, and all kind of things like that with verified um, data on all of those topics. And when I say verified data... It's between two and three mm-hmm. um, confirmed uh, officials confirming the various reports or the people on the ground communicating with them. Uh, and it, it really uh, was not even half of what we could give on that day. Uh, nevertheless, you know, with discernment, we're able to choose what are the most important topics mm-hmm. um, that ultimately give the big picture uh, for everybody watching. Uh, But as you said, it's not the only program we have. Uh, We Mm -hmm. have uh, uh, nine productions or ten productions uh, overall. Uh, And uh, two weeks ago, uh, we uh, reached 4,013 programs overall yes yes Uh, not including a lot of programs that were live programs and all kind of things that we did beyond that Mm -hmm. but we're already past the 4,000 programs Um, and this indicates you know uh, truly a a fruitful endeavor which is uh, all glory to God I mean we wouldn't be able to do this without him yeah, definitely. And we're not stopping. We're also in the making of new productions and we're, you know, in the really advanced stages of a new season of My Brother's Keeper. So I went over the comments on social media and, and other um, emails that uh, were sent to me um, last week after we announced 3,000 programs of TV7 Israel News. And one of them wrote 3,000 and God willing also the next 3,000 ahead. Uh, that means uh, in another 14 almost years uh, to reach that milestone. You know, it, with the grace of God, one day at a time. I don't know what tomorrow will be, uh, but I know that we will continue to serve the Lord in, in any capacity that he sends us. And ultimately, within the context of, of TV7, and um, so long as our health uh, allows it and, and permits uh, with God's grace, uh, we'll continue to do everything in our power mm-hmm. to provide 
as you said, content that truly matters. Uh, but beyond that, I think content that informs and uh, equips all of our TV sound family and, and beyond that, you know, with tools on on how to pray for the situation, on how to uh, communicate with our surrounding, on how mm-hmm. to communicate with uh, our officials, with our colleagues uh, about uh, the various challenges ahead, and to really understand, you know, the, the moment I look at the news, um, you know, there's just saying, no news, good news. But ultimately, um, with all the, the strife occurring around the world, we know that God is in control. Mm-hmm. And we can be encouraged by that, you know, and sometimes we forget that and we need to refocus on that fact that ultimately allows us to to be bold within this storm. He mm-hmm. is our peace. Yeah. You know? And he wants us to pray for him, for the Prince of Peace and for the situations because he, he likes us to be involved. He doesn't want us to be just bystanders and just look at him you know, playing this big chess game. Each and every one of us has our own role, Mm -hmm. and we need to seek out what that role is. Um, Not everybody is going to be a news anchor. Not everybody is going to be uh, a a politician or a military uh, uh, leader or, you know, there's so many uh, jobs. There there are people uh, going through... Uh, various countries uh, which are in dire need, uh, you know, with uh, without food, without the gospel. Yeah. Uh, and these people are uh, doing what Jesus called us to do, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, we all have our tasks, which we're called to do, and we all complete each other into one body of Christ. Hallelujah. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's very encouraging to be part of this big body of Christ, to encourage each other, to pray for each other. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, it's been a busy week with the news. Maybe you can help us understand what to focus, you know, this week in prayer. Well, uh, let's start with a little bit of an overview. I think the, there were many things occurring last week. On the domestic front here in Israel, mm-hmm. uh, which we cannot ignore, um, I try to give an overview of, of the complexities within uh, the domestic efforts to, on the one hand, uh, we have the, the conservative right uh, seeking judicial reform. Yeah, which uh, is basically the, the government system. now. The government or the executive branch seeks to reform the judicial, uh, the, the judicial branch, mm-hmm. uh, which both are pillars within the context of democracy. Yes. And when lawmakers and the executive branch, the government, feel that they are outweighed by uh, the judicial branch in in a unbalanced manner because they're supposed to balance each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, it creates a lot of resentment. Now, this resentment is uh, not new. Uh, even when there is balance, there's going to be resentment by those who lose in court. Of course, yeah. You know, um, but ultimately, I think one of the the 
good examples in Israel's history for leaders here uh, in Israel today is Menachem Begin, the prime minister uh, in the 77 until 82, roughly. Um, he was um, the one who basically made a type of revolution because always the liberal left, or not actually the liberal left, but the left in Israel um, ruled that since one. the establishment. Oh, I see. You know, in general. Ben-Gurion okay. in general. The whole foundation of Israel is based on socialism, on, on working together, on equal sharing. Um, capitalism was not an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think that capitalism is an option within uh, a society that is trying to build a state. It's just not possible. You need to be able to share because you don't have much. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the transition was necessary. And, and at the time, in order to make the transition, because of the institutions being so dominated by the left, um, according to the academia, what Menachem Begin did was destroy the economy to a certain degree. I think inflation stood at 487% at the time. Um, and there were multiple events ongoing while this was occurring on the domestic front, uh, including the peace treaty with Egypt. Mm-hmm. I think that the domestic uh, challenges or the attempts to diminish or to weaken, basically, the, the left leftist uh, institutions and and, um, the so-called deep state within that context um, was made possible because of the peace agreement between Israel and Egypt. So there are are a lot of developments that Mm -hmm. take place on the domestic front because of the international arena and uh, the strategic aspect of things and vice versa, also things Mm -hmm. on the other end. Okay, so back to the Supreme Court. So uh, when we're looking at this, one of the things that they're trying to do is diminish its capacity or to destroy certain elements that provide that edge to the Supreme Court over the other branches in order to, to rebalance it and reshape it into a more conservative institution rather than uh, the um, liberal institution that it today represents. Um, Are there dangers attached to that? Absolutely. Are there questions that need to be answered? Yes. Conservatives are concerned about this process. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that this process is necessarily uh, the right way to do it. Yeah. You know, in order to reach the goal that you want to reach. Nevertheless, um, there are efforts to do that We'll see what happens. There's also um, opposition to it. Lots of protests, like in the streets. Well, it's it's less than what I I would expect from really? such a thing. And you know, to see eighty thousand people going to the streets on a day where it's rainy and inconvenient to be outside, uh, which usually very much impacts um, Israelis in general. It indicates that a lot more people are probably concerned than just mm-hmm. 80,000. Uh, I spoke to uh, some of my mentors and some uh, people in the conservative camp were very powerful within the establishment. And they told me that they went to protest. Really? So it's not just the liberal left that was represented 
in those protests. They were also there to indicate that, look, we're also concerned about those moves. There are questions that need to be answered. It's time to answer those before Mm -hmm. you engage in such a revolutionary uh, angle because there are dangers to the democracy when it comes to that. Um, Is this the best time? Or is this the best timing to engage in such a situation at a time when so many of Israel's enemies are lurking about? Um, Iran is not sitting idly by to see Israel's judicial reform uh, take place, uh, nor is Syria, nor are the other enemies Mm -hmm. of Israel, Hezbollah and Lebanon and so on. Uh, Nonetheless, when we look at the situation, I think this is something that we need to pray for Mm -hmm. Um, on the domestic front. It needs to be a focus uh, to grant wisdom uh, to the leaders and also to the opposition leaders Mm -hmm. uh, to find the right path to make this a reality. Because both left and right-wing governments over the past 20 to 30 years have called for reform. So it's not just Mm -hmm. the right wing necessarily that is calling for reform, Um, including, by the way, Tommy Lapid. The father of Yair Lapid, who was also a member of parliament and a minister uh, in the early 2000s. So there are a lot of things that need to be um, looked at uh, when we're talking about the security front. Does this, uh, all this, you know, domestic issues affect the security of Israel? I mean, we heard all the statements by all the, the new chief of staff and the leadership of Israel that nothing will affect the security of Israel and... The main goal of the IDF is to secure Israel and to keep Israel safe. Is this really the case? Look, uh, ultimately, if if I really think about the big picture, um, when there is instability in a country, foreign investments are diminished, uh, meaning that investors are less keen to put their money or their portfolios in Israel because they say, okay, let's see what happens first with the judicial system. Mm -hmm. What are the implications thereof? And then we'll decide whether or not we're going to do this. Um, There are portfolios or individuals who I know of and and know also personally uh, who hold portfolios of billions and billions um, in the tens of billions Uh, who come here to Israel to have meetings with Netanyahu and and different people in government um, to to kind of try and understand, wait, what's What's going going on? Uh, Am I going to withdraw my funds from Israel to more secure markets? Or is Israel truly that safe haven that it has been Mm -hmm. for the last decade or so? Um, And then... If Netanyahu is able to reassure them and the finance minister, Bitsalel Smotrich, is able to reassure them, even though Bitsalel Smotrich is not a factor here, it's more about the prime minister than the finance minister, um, then it will uh, impact to a certain degree, um, but not as severely as, as it is to be expected if they're not reassured. Uh, so Israel is also in the process of hedging its uh, uh, risks and considering the variables in that angle as well. Because ultimately, if Israel's economy is not strong, there is no fund that can then secure the, the defense establishment because security costs money. Mm-hmm. All right. So 
Everything this is, is connected. This like is connected in this yeah. angle. Um, am I concerned uh, about the security of the state of Israel at this stage? No. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that I should be concerned too much. Nevertheless, when we look at the big picture, again, going from the overview to the micro, uh, when when I look at the field, Operation Wastebreaker has been going on now for 10 um, months, months, roughly, September, nine months. Yeah, uh, this indicates uh, uh, quite a vigorous campaign against terrorism in Judea and Samaria, in the Jordan Valley. Uh, it indicates that terrorism is trying to raise its head time and again, mm-hmm. and Israel is repeatedly, in cooperation and coordination with the Palestinian Authority. By the way, the security apparatus there. Uh, trying to weaken Palestinian Islamic Jihad, uh, which is, of course, an Iranian proxy. Uh, we saw last week Hassan uh, Amir Abdullahian, the Iranian foreign minister, meet with Ziad al-Nahala, the leader of mm-hmm. Palestinian Islamic Jihad in Lebanon, uh, communicating with him and reassuring him that Iran will continue to support and train PIJ or Palestinian Islamic Jihad in the West Bank, in Gaza Strip, and uh, elsewhere. Yeah, Iran made its intentions clear regarding you know, supporting whoever, you know, is against Israel and Correct. engaging. Yeah. So, you know, we, we're aware that Iran is, is very much behind uh, much of uh, the efforts to ignite the field in the West Bank. The, the Gaza Strip is currently relatively quiet, but we see yeah. Hamas, uh, an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood, and very close to the Muslim Brotherhood at that. Mm-hmm. Very much uh, keen on seeing the West Banking night. So, again, there, there are challenges there. And this costs money. Yeah, A lot of money for Israel. More than 3,000 people incarcerated over terror charges and, uh, you know, allegations related to terror. And when we look again at this picture... In order to maintain pressure on those terrorist elements, you need to employ a lot of of men, a lot of women that are part of the security establishment in Israel, and then divert them from other areas of of interest to ensure that Judea and Samaria does not ignite again. And it takes only a small spark to get everybody onto the streets. Yeah, and you said that uh, the Palestinian Authority is helping. It's not like they do this as a favor to Israel. They need this cooperation in order to survive. At this stage, yes. Right. Um, But, of course, they have their own interests. And we'll see how long uh, the Palestinian Authority's chairman, Mahmoud Abbas, uh, who is not in good health, uh, but has uh, still been very active, uh, how long he stays alive. And the succession process uh, will be vigorous. Mm-hmm. And Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad are very active in trying to promote their own candidates within that context. So we're, yeah. we're looking at a situation that is very sensitive. Mm-hmm. And at this stage, it's more sensitive than Lebanon. It's more sensitive than Syria. It's more sensitive even than Iran to a certain degree. Because the implications thereof are immediate. Yes. You know, and, and the implications may also spread elsewhere. So this is the, the main challenge that I believe that the new IDF chief of general staff, Lieutenant General 
Helzia Levy mm-hmm. um, will have to deal with. A uh, very astute individual. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy to see him uh, there. Um, beyond the fact that he went to a school that was literally next to mine <laughs> here in Jerusalem, um, which we always were rivaled with. Uh, they were the religious, yeah. uh, Zionist religious uh, school. Himmelfarb, uh, I went to Boyle, which is just next to it. And um, it, it really... There was a certain competition, even though it was not official yeah. competition. And also, he's the first uh, religious um, chief of staff in the history of Israel. Right, but uh, again, an, an interpretation thereof. So he's religious, but, you know, um, uh, he is uh, also very... Uh, it's not going to diminish, and I don't know whether there's an added value to it in this context. Uh, just interesting. Um, we, we should pray for... The, the chiefs, regardless of whether they're believers or not uh, in God, and, and pray that they will be. Uh, Definitely. And that uh, God will reveal themselves, uh, himself to them. Um, nevertheless, I, I think that this transition um, is a significant milestone uh, for Israel. Um, at a time of so much domestic strife, to see the most um, trusted institution in Israel the Israel Defense Forces, receiving such a cordial um, attention within Israel, it, it's quite significant. You know, and Aviv Kochavi was one of the most um, admired mm-hmm. chiefs of staff. Um, of course, I, I wouldn't liken him to uh, Itzhak Rabin or, or uh, you know, the, those kind of level yes. uh, chiefs, but... Ultimately, he he brought something new to the table, and he made a modern military into an even more modern military, um, and prepared Israel for the trials ahead. Uh, now he has three years that he is not allowed to deal with politics. Uh, we call it kufat sinun, a yeah. period of uh, defrosting. Um, but after that. Everybody expects him to enter into politics, and he'll come um, with uh, the chariots behind him because a lot of support. Though. A lot of support throughout the country are going to support him, um, which is interesting because we don't know whether he's right or left. I suspect he's center. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in his communiques and. and speeches over the years he's been always very um, considerate of both camps Uh, nevertheless um, he is very very close to Benny Gantz so we'll see how that works out uh, because two chiefs of staff of course Uh, there is another former chief of staff in that group in that group as well Um, you know it's going to be an interesting ride ahead Uh, But we know God is in control, and we need to pray for our leaders, and we need to uh, call on God to to, uh, ultimately ensure that peace in Jerusalem prevails and that uh, salvation in Israel will also uh, be ignited. Well, thank you, Jonathan. It's a pleasure here. And thank you to all of the TV7 family all over the world for being with us, and we'll see you again next time for another episode of Editor's Note.
Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.